Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Game of Wines, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I'm Olivia. I'm Gabby. And I'm Chris. And today we will be discussing Tyrion chapter 2 in A Game of Thrones, so make sure you have read before listening. So today's news um, is has to do with one of the stars of Game of Thrones, Amelia Clark. She has just lined up a new major movie deal. Uh, so she's going to be in a movie called The Amazing Maurice. Um... And apparently this book is based on Terry Pratchett's 2001 book, The Amazing Maurice and His Educational Rodents. Um, and apparently it's supposed to also have a Harry Potter star in it. Ooh, which one? Um, Hugh Bonneville. Oh, no, sorry. David Thewlis. That's Downtown Abbey's Hugh Bonneville and then David Thewlis. Oh, interesting. Um, and... Uh, Yesterday's Himesh Patel and the Kingsman actor Gemma Aritan uh, as well will be in it. So that's Sweet. pretty interesting. Does it say when it'll come out? Um, it just says that she has a movie deal. I'm guessing probably a year or two. Uh, it says sometime in 2022. Oh, okay. So a couple years. A couple years. But cool. yeah, it's good for you, Amelia. Okay, and then the Martin message today... So it was the 20th anniversary of Storm of Swords this month. Um, Storm of Swords is the third book in the series. And not right now, you can buy an autographed anniversary edition of the book with George R. R. Martin's signature on it for $50. And you can get that from GeneCocteauCinema.com. Um, the book is also illustrated, and Martin even said it is the best one yet of the illustrated ones. That's cool. They might be sold out already, but I thought it was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so the listener answers from last week. The first question was, would you head... I'm sorry. Would you heed Ned's warning if you were Robert? Why do you think he isn't listening to Ned? Hannah said, I think Ned is a pretty smart guy, and what he's saying just kind of makes sense. Plus, he's Robert's best friend, so I would listen to Ned. I think Robert isn't listening because he already has a decision made in his head. He doesn't want anyone else's opinion because his mind is already made up, so it doesn't matter what Ned says. He's doing what he wants to do. Like Liv said, his hatred is taking over. I agree with that. Agreed. And then Emily said, yes, the hand of the king is the hand for a reason. In this case, he's a voice of reason in the midst of a lot of emotion involved in Robert's head. I would trust him, but I think he's not listening because he has his own mindset and is just very stubborn in his thinking. Yeah, basically the same answer. The second question was, why do you think Robert wanted to ride away from the rest of the group? Hannah said, Rob doesn't want anyone knowing that there might be some trouble. Nothing is fully confirmed yet, so there's no reason to incite fear or put ideas of rebellion in anyone's head. Fair. True. I think, like we said before, he's he just trusts Ned that much and doesn't want to talk to anyone else. Trust no one. Yeah. And then Emily said, I also think he has some major trust issues. Also, this is some juicy shit they're talking about that probably shouldn't be spread too much. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Emily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the third question was, do you think Robert is justified in trying to kill Daenerys from his point of view? Hannah said, I think Robert's desire for punishment for the one who hurt Lyanna is justified. However, killing a 14-year-old girl who had nothing to do with it just because of her last name is injustice. Yep, and that's exactly what um, Ned said, too. 
And then Emily said, no, because Daenerys didn't personally do anything wrong, except being unfortunate enough to hold the Targaryen name. Although I do understand that he wants to stop the birth of more Targaryens, but still, don't kill her, man. <laughs> Very true. Thank yep. you, guys. Yep. All right, so review of last episode. We were with King Robert and Ned as they discussed a few very important topics, including Daenerys Targaryen and Jorah Mormont. Today, we're going to be joining Tyrion heading north to the Wall, um, a very tough journey, and uh, Tyrion stops to read and has a little heart-to-heart with John. Nice. Um, the wine we are having tonight, it's um, Arbor Mist. It's pineapple, strawberry, pink Moscato. So it's super, super sweet. But um, it's a sweet amber, which we see Tyrion drink this chapter. So, you know, had to go with what Tyrion's doing. Arbor Mist is so easy. <laughs> it's like one of the fruitiest wines. Oh, that's sweet. So sweet. Yep. Yum. Super yum. It's like, it's like juice. You literally just, it goes down so easily. <laughs> um, <All right>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I knew that was going to happen. Just knew she was going to be like. <sighs> All right. Are we ready to dive in? Yeah, man. All right. Let's do it. So, Tyrion is traveling north from Winterfell to the Wall with Benjen and Jon. Um, he noted that it felt like the North went on forever. He knew the maps of Westeros very well, but actually traveling in the North was a completely different story. And he said that the maps did not do it justice, like, for its size and hmm. everything. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. So, he left with John and Benjen the same day that the king and their party left for King's Landing. And it sounded like they were traveling together for a little bit. But then the party going to King's Landing, like, they both, like, went their own separate ways. So the King's party turned south to go to King's Landing, and the party going to the Wall turned north. Tyrion noted that it had grown much colder after they had turned north and much quieter. And then he goes on to kind of describe the land that he's observing. He said to the west, he saw gray and rugged hills with tall watchtowers placed on stony summits. And to the east, um, the land was lower and flat across the plain that stretched as far as the eye could see. He also saw to the east there were stone bridges, narrow rivers, small farms, and small inns where they found shelter at night. And the roads were well trafficked. Um, And then it goes on and says, Three days in and the farms became more sparse and there was more heavily wooded forests that made their appearance. Hmm. By the fifth day, the roads had turned into rough mountains, which also brought snow. Um, And then there's just a little quote from the book that really described actually how cold it was there. Um, It said, When the wind blew from the north, long plumes of ice crystals flew from the high peaks like banners. Hmm. That's crazy. They then turned north either even farther north, and went through the Wolf's Wood, which is a forest of oak and evergreen with a bunch of black shrubs all around. Tyrion said it seemed older and darker than any forest he had ever seen. At night, he said you could hear packs of wolves howling in the distance, and also some that were not distant at all. He also said that ghosts would kind of prick his ears up at the nightly howling, but never actually joined in himself. And then he makes a note that he finds ghosts very unsettling for some reason. 
Well, probably because he's huge and Tyrion's he's a wolf. not. Yeah. He's <laughs> or maybe wolf. because he doesn't even really act like a wolf. Yeah. With the yeah. howling and stuff. I don't know. Just a guess. By the time they reached the forest, there were now eight in their party that had joined. So Tyrion and two of his men, John, Benjen, and two Night's Watch recruits, and then another brother of the Watch that had just joined up with them when they stopped for the night behind, behind the walls of a forest holdfast. And the brother that they joined up with was named Yorin. And then the book goes on to describe kind of how Yorin looks. It said that he was stooped and sinister, his features hidden behind a beard as black as his clothing, but he seemed as tough as an old root and as hard as stone. With him, he had two peasants from the Fingers, which is a small group of islands, and Yorin said that they were rapers and that their sentence was to serve the rest of their life on the wall. And then after this, Tyrion kind of summarizes who's all in their party now, so there's Five men, three boys, a dire wolf, 20 horses, and a cage of ravens, which he calls a curious fellowship. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. It's a mismatch bunch. Yes. And then he goes on to describe Yorin a little bit more. He had a twisted shoulder and a sour smell, hair and beard. Yeah. <laughs> I know. The rest of it's disgusting, yeah. His hair and beard were matted and greasy and full of lice. His clothing was old, patched, and seldom washed. And he said that the two recruits smelled even worse than Yorin and seemed stupid and cruel. Doesn't it seem like everyone would get lice? Yeah. You get lice in your beard. You're going to take it in to the Ew. Night's Watch. Everyone's going to get lice. How Everyone's going to have to shave it? their head. Yeah. Ew. It's disgusting. Or they just don't care. Yeah. Because they don't So everyone care. in the Night's Watch has lice? Yeah. Gross. That's disgusting. Nasty. That's horrifying. <laughs> Oh, it's a regular thing up here. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I did a little more research on Yorin, and he actually suffered a shoulder injury, which made it impossible for him to fight with his brothers anymore. So now his only job is to collect recruits and prisoners who would join the Black. I don't know if we said this before, but joining the Black means becoming a brother of the Night's Watch. Did you get a Black cloak. Yes, yeah. exactly. Tyrion thinks John had a different idea of who Night's Watch recruited. John thinks John thought that they were all like his uncle Benjen, but apparently Yorin yeah. and his recruits were like a rude awakening to him. Tyrion said that John chose a hard life or a hard life had been chosen for him. Yeah. So without his full knowledge of what the Night's Watch actually was. But everybody's not like Uncle Ben here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Tyrion said he had less sympathy for Ben than he did for John because Benjen dislikes the Lannisters just like his brother Ned. Benjen was not pleased when he heard Tyrion wanted to join them on his journey to the Wall. He said when they first started the journey, Benjen said, I warn you, Lannister, you'll find no inns at the Wall, trying to make it so that he would feel too uncomfortable to continue on with them. But Tyrion comes back with his quick wit and is like, no doubt you'll find some place to put me. As you noticed, I am quite small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Benjen could not say... So then Benjen goes on and said he couldn't say no to the queen's brother, so he reluctantly let him join their journey, but not without another snide remark. He says, you will not like the ride, I promise you that. And ever since the journey started, Benjen had been working his hardest to make sure that Tyrion's journey was unenjoyable. He's so petty. He's so petty. That's pretty... So then it's the end of the first week of their journey now, 
and Tyrion said that his thighs were raw and painful from riding, his legs were cramping, and he was so cold. But he did not complain once, because he did not want to give Benjen the satisfaction of letting him know that he was uncomfortable and miserable. Because Just suck it up, Tyrion. Yeah. Just suck it up. Because he knows that Benjen is looking for <laughs> any little bit of misery from Tyrion, and Tyrion yep. is so stubborn that he's not going to show it. Yep. Then Benjen had offered Tyrion his old tattered bearskin riding fur because it was an extra that no one else wanted to use. And Benjen was expecting Tyrion to decline this offer, but Tyrion actually accepted it. Benjen was actually regretting giving this to him, <laughs> which was a small revenge for Tyrion. And he said that the Lannisters never decline gifts, no matter what they were. They took what they were offered. So I think Benjen was... Super regretting this. Yeah. And didn't realize he was going to accept it. So then it says that they got so far north that there were no more inns, so they had to make camp in the woods. Yep. So it's now their 18th night of their journey, and Tyrion kind of knows that he's not going to be much help making the camp because, I mean, he's small. Yeah. <laughs> So he um, he's grabbing his book and some wine, and he's heading out on his own to read for a little bit. The wine he was drinking was a rare sweet amber that he brought all the way from Castle Rock, and the there book he chose to read was History and Properties of Dragons, which he borrowed from Winterfell's library. He said, "Let him borrow some books." Yes. Yeah. Uh, In yeah. the book, I think it actually said that Ned said he could like yeah. borrow it. Yeah. So once he finds a comfortable spot, he's curled up next to an ancient oak, and he's sipping his wine, and he starts reading. So I, I took a lot of quote from, I, I took a quote from his book. In the book. In the book. <laughs> yeah, it's confusing, but. It's inception. So it says, Dragonbone is black because, it, because of its high iron content. It is as strong as steel, yet lighter and far more flexible, and of course, utterly, utterly impervious to fire. Dragonbone bows are greatly prized by the Dothraki and Small Wonder. An archer so armed can outrange any wooden bow. Didn't Danny get a dragonbone bow yes. for, for her wedding? She got a bow. I don't know if it was dragonbone. Oh. I, was, I, I think know. it was because it was it? taller than her. Oh. I don't remember. Well, we well can, she didn't get it. Cal got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tyrion's always had a fascination with dragons. When he went to King's Landing for his sister's wedding, he made a point to go down and see the dragon skulls. And he expected to find them impressive, but didn't necessarily think that they were going to be as beautiful as they actually were. Mm -hmm. They looked black as onyx, polished smooth, and they shimmered in the light of his torch. So he says he can sense that they liked the fire and that the teeth looked like long, curving knives of black diamonds. That looks sweet. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I don't think they did it black in the no. show, did they? made they? it just look like bone. Ugh, yeah. man. Total disservice. Uh, that yeah. one and the eggs. So, there were 19 skulls. The oldest one was more than 3,000 years old, and the youngest one was 150 years old. He noticed that as they got younger, the skulls got smaller and smaller. So, the older the, older the skull, the bigger it was. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Essentially. Yes. The three largest were those of Aegon and his sisters, and they were named Valyrian, Meraxes, and Vagar. So you could have ridden a horse down Vagar's gullet, which was the smallest out of the three. That's crazy. That's insane. That's massive. Yeah. yeah. 
And then the largest, Beleriand, could have swallowed a whole mammoth. <laughs> That's crazy. That's insane. I can't imagine how big that skull would have to be. Yeah. Just sitting down there. Like, bigger than a house. Yeah. But then Tyrion is the one standing next to him. But yeah. still, yeah. Like, like, a mammoth? Yeah. If you can swallow a mammoth. That's crazy. You know? So, he then goes on to read that his own ancestor, um, King Lauren of the Rock tried to oppose a dragon when he stood against the Targaryens in their conquest. And this was 300 years ago. King Lorne and King Myrne of the Reach had 600 banners flying, 5,000 mounted knights. Mounted knights? (laughs) (laughs) Mounted mites. Mounted mites. No, I'm sorry. 5,000 mounted knights and 10 times as many free riders and men at arms. Aegon only had a fifth of that number. So... Obviously, the the people who are about to oppose the Targaryens have the numbers. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say the odds are definitely in their favor. So Aegon met the two kings at the Reach, and when they charged, the Targaryen army shivered and shattered and began to run. But it wasn't long that they were scared, though, because they released all three dragons at once. Jeez. Which, yeah. Jeez. (laughs) Um, Almost 4,000 men were burned that day, among them King Myrne. King Lauren escaped long enough to surrender. So, wow. the numbers didn't matter when it came to the dragons. Yeah. Obviously, well, massive dragons. Well, when a dragon's big dragons. enough to yeah, kill a mammoth. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. that's insane. I'm going to win. So, John interrupts Tyrion's reading to ask why he reads so much. And Tyrion tells him to look at him and tell him what he sees. And John's like, is this some kind of joke? I see you, Tyrion Lannister. He always thinks that, too. They're, yeah. In the, in the last one, when they had uh, in the courtyard and they're talking... John does the same thing. He's like, is, it, is this like a test? Like, <laughs> I don't think he picks up on Tyrion's doesn't pick up on sarcasm. 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 Yeah. He's like, what? Huh? Tyrion goes, no. What you see is a dwarf. You are what? 12? And John tells him he's 14. So now I have a, a very long... He's kind of like ranting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna... But Tyrion kind of goes off brain. here. All right. So he goes, 14 and you're taller than I ever will will be. My legs are short and twisted, and I walk with difficulty. I require a special saddle to keep from falling off of my horse. A saddle of my own design, you may be interested to know. It was either that or ride a pony. My arms are strong enough, but again, too short. I will never make a swordsman. Had I been born a peasant, they might have left me out to die or sold me to some slaver's grotesquerie. Alas, I was born a Lannister of Casterly Rock, and the grotesqueries are are all the poorer. Jeez. Things are expected of me. My father was the hand of the king for 20 years. My brother later killed that very king, as it turns out, but life is full of these little ironies. My sister married the new king, and my repulsive nephew will be king after him. I must do my part for the honor of my house, wouldn't you agree? Yet how? Well, my legs may be too small for my body, but my head is large, although I prefer, it is, although I prefer to think it is just large enough for my mind. I have a realistic grasp on my own strengths and weaknesses. My mind is my weapon. My brother has a sword, King Robert has his war hammer, and I have my mind. And a mind needs books as a sword needs a whetstone if it is to keep its edge. That's why I read so much, Jon Snow. Wow, he just really ripped him a new one. (laughs) John, like, has to take a moment to, like, let that all sink in. He's like... Like, collect himself. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and while he's doing that, Tyrion kind of comments on how Jon's face looks like a Stark. He's here, he has the long face of a Stark, um, and he comments in his own mind of, like, 
how much his mother must not have given him a lot because he looks a lot like Ned. So John then asks Tyrion what he's reading about then, since uh, and Tyrion says dragons. And uh, John kind of wonders, he's like, dragons don't exist anymore. They haven't existed for a very long time. And Tyrion goes, well, he's always, Tyrion says he's always dreamed of dragons. Um, and I think this is a little bit of a pyro moment that he lets him in on. Uh, because Tyrion talks about how he used to set fires in Castle Rock and dream that it was dragon's fire. And then he would dream about burning his father in that fire or his sister in that fire. Um, Jeez. And John is like not sure if Tyrion is joking with him now, again with this questionable deal going on with John. And Tyrion then says, Haven't you drink dreamt that as well? And John quickly is like, No, I've definitely have never dreamt that my dad you know, was burnt or my sister. I don't do that. And then Tyrion kinda gets at him and is like, Why? basically. He says, I'm sure and he's being really kind of sarcastic. He's like, Yeah, I'm sure that Catelyn has been really nice to you. I'm mm. sure she has. And how fitting it is that Rob, and I'm sure Rob is really nice to you, how fitting it is that he gets Winterfell and you get the wall. Um, yeah. I think he's calling John out on his own yeah. BS. Because John's thinking this is like an honor and all this, and he's like, no, John, like, you're kind of getting the crapshoot here. Yeah. And if you don't really realize that, like, and that's, he's trying to bring him down to his level in a way. He's like trying to smack him back into reality. Yeah. And John's like, no, it's it's an honor to be part of the the night's watch and Tyrion goes is it really is it really an honor it's just a bunch of cutthroats and rapists protecting the world from make-believe creatures that i'm sure that your old nan told you about mm-hmm. um but th- those don't exist in real life john so you're literally just going up to freeze your balls off which you're never going to use because <laughs> now you have to take an oath and he get he hits him with all this stuff and john gets really pissed off um, and so John walks towards him with his fists kind of clenched, um, and Tyrion notices, okay, maybe I maybe went a little too far, you know, because John is going to the wall to, like, pledge an oath to be there, right? So Tyrion's like, maybe I should just pat John and be like, it's okay, like, I was just joking. But as soon as Tyrion goes to, like, walk towards John, boom, he says, ghost comes out of nowhere, and hmm. knocks Tyrion flying. The book goes one way. Tyrion goes the other way. Yikes. And now Tyrion's face down in the leaves. Or in the snow. And his blood is starting to come out of his mouth. And Tyrion's like, could you help me up at least? Because your, <laughs> your wolf just your knocks wolf just me flying. Me. Yeah. And John has this little moment of like, ha ha. He's like, why don't you ask me nicely? <laughs> John. Uh, yeah, kinda, don't be sassy. It's kind of unlike John at that moment, but I guess. Sassy John. And Love sassy John. Tyrion says that what he can see is just the wolf is just standing between him and John and just red eyes just staring at him. And he's not making a sound. The ghost is completely silent, but his teeth are barred at him. Jeez. And he's like. That's terrifying. John's like, okay, I'll help him up. After Tyrion does a cordial he asks nicely. And he asks nicely. It would be very nice if you were to help me up, John. And then so John helps him up. And so then Tyrion kind of knows that he's in the wrong here. So he kind of makes a joke and is like, why did he Why did he attack me? And he goes, he probably thought you were one of those mythical creatures you think doesn't exist. <laughs> and so Tyrion kind of laughs. and But then John asks him, like, is that true what you're saying about the Night's Watch? And Tyrion's like, yeah. That's yep. pretty much what it is. And 
John accepts it, and Tyrion goes, well, that's... I'm glad that you accept the truth, because a true man accepts the truth. And that, you know, John kind of notices, he's like, you kind of tell it as it is, and Tyrion's like, yeah, I mean, there's no... I can accept there's no more dragons, um, and there never will be again, just like you have to accept the truth about the Night's Watch. Mm -hmm. So then they both uh, return to camp, and Benjen gets mad at John for running off, I guess. And they go to adjourn for the night, and Tyrion and John actually share a little like inside joke for a second, and everyone's kind of confused by it except for <laughs> Tyrion and John. And he, Tyrion, as he's heading into bed for the night, looks back at John, um, who's just staring at the fire, and he has a brief moment of sorrow for John because I think he knows what John's about to embark on, and it's not really fair. I, I also guess. I wanted to say I think. There's a different level of understanding between John and Tyrion. Yeah. I think they both understand what they're going through because they're both looked at as, like, outsiders. Mm -hmm. And even though Tyrion gets on John and John gets on Tyrion pretty hard, I think at the end of the day, they understand each other enough to be, like... They're, they're kindred souls. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, it's like what Tyrion said in the first Tyrion chapter where he says yeah. all bastards, or all... Uh, Dwarves. Dwarves are, are bastards in their father's eyes. Yeah. So. And I do really like yeah. this relationship that's blossoming between them two. Yeah. Yep. I think it's, it's really good. It's a little rocky there with ghosts, but. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. It's an outlier. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's how the chapter ends. Uh, so some of our discussion questions that we have this week. The first one is, uh, why do the Lannisters never turn down a gift, you think? I don't know. <sighs> I would I would say because I think they might be kind of greedy, but at the same time, that's what I'm thinking. I don't necessarily think Tyrion is like. You know what I mean? Well, he took the gift from Benjen, in like yeah. a spite kind yeah. of way. He's like, oh yeah, sure. I'll take no, that. I mean not only that, but if the Lannisters never turn down a gift, he's not going to turn that down. Yeah. What I find odd is they say they never turn down a gift, but then they also say they always, always repay their, their debts. debts. So is a gift is not a debt then? Is it just So if they gift? get a gift, they're going to have to repay it. But it's not a debt. It's just a gift. So yeah. it's, it's a debt. It's something that they don't yeah. owe back. So I maybe think, that's why they maybe take that's the why, gifts. Yeah. I think they're, they're like, just hey, cool. greedy. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> I what it is. They're going to take whatever they're offered. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the second question is, do you think do you think because of the two recruits and what Tyrion has said is making John second guess his decision to join the Night's Watch? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I don't think so. I, don't. I think it's making him question what he's getting himself into. I think mm -hmm. he's coming into a more realization of what he's getting into, but I think yeah. he still feels that I agree. it's yeah. an honor. I th yeah, I was going to say I think it's kind of opening his eyes as to what he's getting into because he didn't really learn a lot about it yeah. before yeah. getting into it, but I don't think... I don't think it's wavering his decision. I think he still thinks it's going to be a great honor to do this for the rest of his life. Yeah. I also think it goes back to the fact that he is a bastard and there's not a lot left for him back in Winterfell. Yeah. Like there is with Rob and um, Bran and everyone. Well, a lot of bastards go to the Night's Watch. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is like what he was saying before is like Rob is going to have Winterfell someday and Sansa's is going to get married and Arya too and blah, 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 blah. But John doesn't get anything if he stays in Winterfell. Yeah. If he leaves Winterfell, there's more of a chance for him to get something and feel honor, especially with the Night's Watch. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I agree with you. I don't think he's wavering in his decision. I think it's putting it more in a reality mm -hmm. of like, oh, okay. So the people aren't like 
knights that are up there. You know, hmm. these aren't like honorary people. These are like these two guys that yeah. they picked up. These two rapists. So maybe in a way, it's like humbling him. Like humbling, humbling him. Yeah, yeah. I, I I would think it's putting it through a more see-through way instead of looking at it as in Benjen. I was, I was always looking yeah. at it as it's Benjen and it's not Benjen. I was also going to say it's it's humbling him and it's also like making him realize that these people are just normal kind of people. Not normal, like they're criminals, but like yeah. they're nothing special and it's nothing John needs to be nervous about. Yeah. Right. You know? Uh, so the third question we have, um, did we, are we good with that answer? Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Okay, so the third question we have is, why do you think Tyrion is so brash in the way that he talks about subjects with people? We've seen it in a couple chapters so far. Um, and in this situation alone, why is he so brash when he talks to John? I think he just doesn't... I, I think because he's grown up the dwarf of his family, he just doesn't necessarily... He kind of feels like, what do I have to lose, I guess? I yeah. would think nothing is sugar-coated for him. Yeah. Like, he's always had to struggle even just to walk or ride or do anything. And he kind of, like, talks about that when you're talking about all the lists of things that he had to do. He has to struggle all of his life. Yeah. Yeah. So. My answer was kind of a combination of your guys's. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think because he's a bastard. Or not a bastard, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think because he's a dwarf. Yeah. People have treated him a certain way his whole life. And he's not going to just let people walk all over him. He's not taking no shit. And like he said, his mind is his weapon. Yep. He's a very smart guy. And that's just how he is. He's just smart. I have a weird question to throw on here. Why why doesn't Tyrion want to become a maester? Think about it. Like... Maybe it has to do with the fact that he's from a noble house or something. I mean, you could be a maester from a noble house. But no, but maesters serve noble houses. True. I'm wondering if that's why. Yeah. I'm going to guess it's the women thing. Huh? Huh? Because oh. if you're a maester, yeah. you have to give up women. Yeah. He Remember when he joked women. about joining the black and he's like, oh no. I think, I think on a deeper level though, I think it has to do with the fact that he's from a noble house and he doesn't want to do yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's Got all it. the questions we got. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So as we said before in the other um, couple episodes in the past, we are doing a free sticker giveaway for the month of November. Woo! <laughs> so again, just a reminder of what you have to do to enter. First, head over to Apple Podcasts and write us a review. Second, go follow us on all of our social media. On Twitter and Instagram, we're Game of Wines 1. And then on Facebook, we are Game of Wines, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. The third thing you're going to do is take a screenshot of your review and all of your follows on our social media. Just make sure that the screenshot includes that you're following on it. And then you're going to send those pictures along with your address to our email, which is gameofwines1 at gmail.com. That is it for this week's episode of Game of Wines. Next episode, we will be discussing Catelyn Chapter 2, so make sure you read that chapter before next episode. See you next week.